Hi, I'm Eric. Hello, my name is John. My podcast partner's name is Eric. The podcast yeah. is called The Terror Test. Yeah, John, yeah, I know that's not the normal intro. I know that you're John. My name is John. My podcast partner's name is Eric. The name of the podcast is The Terror Test. My name is John. My podcast partner's name is Eric. The name of the podcast is The Terror Test. John, what what happened to you? You're not you're not the real John. You're not John. My name. What did is you do with John. John? My partner's name is Eric. John, get no. What is that light? What get it? What what? Ah! My name is Eric. My name is John. The name of the, the name of our is podcast is the, the Terror, Terror Test. Test. As fans of horror, our goal is to weigh the merits of films based on three categories: production, monster quality, and scare factor, to decide whether to admit them into our sacred horror canon. In this podcast, the Terror Test podcast. We will put movies to the test to determine what to watch next, what's worth revisiting, and what to recommend to the uninitiated. My name is John. My name is Eric. Number two pencils ready. Begin. Okay, man. Um, I have literally no memory of everything that happened up till this moment. But um, looks like we're recording, so we should get started. Um, yeah, it's the light that's blinking is red. Yeah, the light before was white. Okay, um, and I have all these notes here. My name is John. My pot. I know. I know all this stuff already. Okay. Yeah, um, it's all written down. Weird. Yeah, let's let's begin. Um, so uh, we are continuing our read-through of Dead Blondes and Bad Mothers by Sadie Doyle. And we have come across the next chapter, um, which is what we're talking about today. Um, chapter four, Marriage. Uh, marriage. This is, <laughs> this is the uh, second part of uh, the mother, or the wives chapter, or part. And so we're talking about two uh movies today uh that have to do with kind of women in the wife role um and the horrors that uh are associated with that uh we're talking about 2014's honeymoon and 2019's the lodge yeah and so originally we had said we were going to talk about uh rebecca but um john um had i what was it your your blu-ray to, had come in for the lodge yeah um, it just got released and so we were really eager to watch it and 
we just felt like we had to talk about it. So we're pulling an audible. That's a sports term. Um, and so we're saving Rebecca for next time. And you said that. I have n- I've never heard that before. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll I will trust you. Really? You don't? Uh, uh, what does audible? that mean? Pull, pull an audible. I because my uh, first thought was like <laughs> was like audiobooks. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, we are such English people. Um, I know. Yeah. No, it has to do with um, football. It's like. I think it has to do with like changing your play at the last moment. Oh, okay. Call an audible. Like you're already in formation, and then the quarterback calls an audible, and it's like you have to read. Oh, that's that's exactly what happened. You texted me. Yeah. Yeah, you texted me, and you're just like, "Wow, wow, wow!" And said, "I I watched that before before watching Rebecca." So, um, and it was it was worthwhile. So I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So uh, let's stop talking about sports and start talking about. (laughs) So let's begin with The Honeymoon, uh, which was released in 2014, written by Phil Graziadei and Lee Janiak, directed by Lee Janiak, starring Rose Leslie as B, Harry Treadway as Paul, Ben Huber as Will, and Hannah Brown as Annie. Yep, so let's start with uh, production. Uh, The film is timeless in the power and effectiveness of its writing, direction, acting, cinematography, special effects, iconography, and portrayal of its subject matter. Um, Production. Uh, You know, you have to start a good horror movie with a driving scene. And this (laughs) one, I don't know if I'd call it a good horror movie, but it starts with a driving scene. Um, That's all I thought about (laughs) at the beginning of this is... Well, it's, it's not totally a driving scene, but you drive through the woods, right? They're going out out into a cabin, mm-hmm. which I, I think is a, is a good setup. I, I wrote down in the beginning, I think everything that has to do with sort of the newlywed vibe is is, a, is adorable and spot on. Like, I, I would say the characters are, are believable up, up to that point. Do you know what I mean? I think... Uh, yeah, I'd say up to a certain point, because uh, they yeah. do seem just a little too perfect at the beginning, um, which kind of, I don't know, um, it gave them a place to go, because, you know, I think a big part of the movie is, you know, pulling back the layers of a relationship and, you know who's the person underneath, you know, who, mm-hmm. who's the person that you really married, um, that, but I don't know. I kind of went back and forth on the opening feeling that like, okay, I'll buy it mixed with like, okay, they're kind of annoying. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I got that vibe too. Into it, I guess, up until, oh, I don't know, up until maybe they venture out and they go to that, whatever you want to call it, the, like, bait shop store place uh, with the guy. And I guess, like, story-wise, help me figure this out. Like, 
is he do you, is he an alien uh will the guy yeah no he's he's just a dude no but i'm yeah anger issues <laughs> but like he had talked to they you know they obviously had this like this connection do you think he's just another guy that lives on the lake or is he like another alien trying to do what what she's doing and then the girl who is with him is just another Uh, experiment or victim like oh i totally think that who is the dude's wife yeah is just like b like she's going through Uh, okay Okay. And even later, I mean, you know, you see her, uh, you know, yeah. the blood coming down her legs. You see yeah. that she says something like he went for a swim or something and his hat is in the lake. And so it kind of implies that, like, she, you know, she dumped did. him underwater. Um, yeah, it makes sense. And then she has all those notes, like, my name is Annie and my husband's name as well. So, like, I think he is just kind of a, a jerk who like I said, has anger issues and is struggling with his wife who is acting strange and that is like foreshadowing what Paul and B become. And it's sort okay. of a red herring because you know we're really seeing this from Paul's perspective and for a while Paul believes that B is like rekindling this old flame um which i i never really bought but no i didn't either and i was like what other purpose they spend so much time with that guy i was like what what other purpose does he serve like I, i think i think it's interesting to delve into you know, if we're, if we're looking at a, a realistic relationship, like the idea of, of exes coming, like popping up, is realistic, right? Sure. Like people have people have exes, and and it could cause some insecurity with the current significant other because you know you're like, do they still have feelings? Like there's there's room for like. Um, some some real tension there but i don't think it's executed well this movie because it's so clearly like there's so clearly something wrong with her that's not just she's having an affair Um, right and so it's a little frustrating watching paul like be so slow to pick up on you know something's happening but it's not just that she's rekindling this old flame uh, something strangers have going on. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but I mean, as far as like performances go, I think Rose Leslie is like a real standout. She mm-hmm. uh, makes a believable transformation from being like very bubbly and happy the first part to sure becoming more distant and alien throughout the course of the movie. Uh, a, a lot of the movie, I think, hinges on that performance. And I, and I think she does a good job. I think she 
Mm-hmm. Uh, she carries that. Um, but I, I still think that there are like there are things that this movie is trying to do that I don't think they're entirely successful on. Such mm-hmm. as, you know, uh, having an ex-boyfriend show up, you know, during the honeymoon. Yeah. It, it was, yeah, it was that part that, yeah, it didn't seem to fit, but then also to how quickly Paul is like, it, I, I felt like that, the part where Paul moved to like wanting to have kids was mm-hmm. really fast. Like that whole yeah. subplot that seems to like be the hinge of the argument that spurs between them, right? Like their disagreement about trying for kids like did they they seriously never talked about it before getting married like it never came up yeah they were unclear of like life goals after the cabin (laughs) like yeah (laughs) like it it and that that reminded me of you know of sadie Doyle's chapter like like i feel like that's a big part as the idea of these submissive roles that we uh, expect women to be in in marriage. What does she call it? She calls it the. Uh, um, I've lost it. The um, the the like the violent institution or something like that or the yeah yeah that marriage is violent not in just like the de- the sense of domestic abuse, um, but um, a brutal it, institution. Yeah, but it, you know, slowly chips away at a woman. Um, yeah, yeah, the brutal institution, the primary mechanism by which men subdued individual women. Um, and I feel like that's where this movie wants to go, right? Is like, he's sort of trying to push her into the role that he thinks a wife should be in in a lot of different ways, whether it's with like the children or the cooking. Right. But all of that seems to move really fast in a movie that for me, like pacing wise felt really long. Like, yeah. And it's not a long movie. It's like, and it's not, no, no, no. Was that just right. Was that just me though? Like it felt like it, it dragged up until the point, I think maybe where, maybe a little bit after he finds that she's bleeding or maybe even finding Um, the notebooks. I think because the movie is so simple, Mm -hmm. like it's just, it's a very straight line um, that it, it does feel like some of it could have been taken out and you really wouldn't have missed it. Um, I will also say that this is a rewatch for me, and mm-hmm. um, not much is really rewarded in the rewatch. There's just not enough depth there to really um, mm-hmm. to really make me think anything beyond what I my, like my first impression of the yeah. movie. See, it's interesting to hear you say that because. Uh, you would expect there to be maybe some sort of like underlying or subtle hints of the changes that she's undergoing before we know that she's changed. Do you know what I mean? Did you, did you notice Um, that at all? Were there, 
I, I mean, knowing that she was some kind of creature or she transforms into some kind of creature, like, I, I feel like it's really just all there. Like, you know, she starts acting weird when she starts acting weird. It's, I don't think it's something that at the very beginning, like when they get there, I think she's clearly herself. And then she makes a slow transformation and we see that happen step by step. There's there's really, and since we don't find out really much about like what's actually going on, um, Mm -hmm. we really are just kind of watching the symptoms develop Mm -hmm. again. we, We don't, I, I wasn't coming at the movie with really much of a new understanding because they don't they don't tell us anything. And mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm fine with ambiguity. We've talked about some movies with a great deal of ambiguity in the past and how it's been successful. But mm-hmm. here, since since we don't really get anything um, other than like there are people who shine a light and the women are being transformed into these monstrous alien women. Um, but we really don't know much beyond that. Then it just, it kind of falls flat. It's yeah. It feels, it feels kind of cheap. It just, it just like, feels shallow. Like, yeah. Yeah. It, if it wanted to get into like, the politics of a marriage and mm-hmm. uh, different fears and frustrations, then it, it needed to go deeper with its characters and deeper into like this plot, whatever that is. Yeah, I feel like there there was an attempt. I like that was one thing I did appreciate it about it is that there the I. It's not maybe it's more the idea than the execution of like the slow unraveling of their little microcosm. Um, they kind of go through the the like cloud nine honeymoon period there in the beginning, and then it unravels over like a few disputes. Um, but then it like boils down I, to these really day. yeah in a day <laughs> uh, to these like yeah these like core values and expectations. <laughs> You know what I mean? It's like it's trying to sort of map that out, but the time that it's trying to do that in throws it off and is, is what makes it feel unrealistic, I think, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so it's production, uh, special effects when he's ripping out the veiny root tentacle thing. Mm-hmm. From uh, from her, that got me. But it was more that like body horror thing. I, there's not really much to the special effects beyond that. Yeah, I mean, by the end, she looks more and more alien. She has like scaly skin and you know, That's weird true. eyes. Um, you know, you see, yeah, her eating you see these like what are thought of as bug bites or something 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's not. I think this movie is really meant to be like considered like intimate, you know, because mm-hmm. the cast is very small. It's one location mostly. Um, but think about this, and then think about I don't know the movie Us, like the way that that starts mm-hmm. small but then like gets big is mm-hmm. so brilliant and unexpected um and the pacing mm-hmm. is just right because you know you finally start thinking about like uh like what's happening elsewhere and then they go you know elsewhere mm. in that movie where like we there's just too too little development in this movie, it, it kind of needs to be more ambitious, I think. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like to me, in this in this viewing, like that's where like I lost the like the the suspected ex guy. Like yeah. he just becomes insignificant for me after a certain point, and so it left me wondering. Well, like what what was going on there? But I should have been wondering that earlier kind of like what you're saying it's like oh well this is happening to their cabin the other cabins doing like because they make they make a point of that right that the lake isn't as isolated or vacant as they thought it was right isn't that something that they say earlier Uh, when they first get out there they're like oh we were gonna go skinny dipping but there's too many people around or something yeah, and there are clearly houses all around yeah. that lake. I mean, there's, like, an isolated lake where no one else is, like, on that lake at the moment. But then there's, like, mm-hmm. you know, people can look mm-hmm. through their windows. Like, you don't know who's watching, so it's not totally isolated. So it just seems, mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, so you... <laughs> Do you want to, under, do you want to give her a point? Undercooked, yeah. I think uh, for production, I'll give it a point for production because I think what we're kind of headed towards is more qualms with, with monster quality. Um, I don't know if I'd call this... I, okay, I would say the setup is timeless. Like... The, like I said, a lot of the ideas are there, but just not well executed. So I'll give it a point for production, just for story, because the story okay. has potential. I don't know. What about you? Um, I'm not. Um, like I said, I think Rose Leslie's performance is really good, and mm-hmm. that needed to be good in order for the movie to hold any kind of water. But the problem is that it's just, there's not enough there. Um, it, it, it's telling a very simple story, but there should be more, more to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we've, we've looked at movies with very simple stories before, We've looked at movies that have ambiguity before, but, mm-hmm. you know, it all depends on, like, the individual movie and the context. And for, like, this context, it's just, it's not enough. 
Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There needs to be more in order for it to be effective. And like you said, I mean, this is an hour and 20 minutes and, and you felt bored and I didn't really gain anything on the rewatch. So I'm, I'm not going to give it a, a point for production. Okay. All right. Monster quality. The film's monsters are frightening, clearly relate to archetypal fears and have depth. Um, I think monster quality, what we were saying before is that our main, our main monster, like the literal monster um, lacks depth um, and is pretty shallow uh, overall. The idea, the archetype though, is I think something that's worth exploring the idea that, uh, you know, someone that, you're committed to as has sort of changed or transformed into um, into a monster, right? I think we've seen that um, in other movies as well. So it's like they they tee it up, but I don't know if they knock it out of the park. Or I'm going to say no, they don't knock it out of the park. <laughs> yeah, I think that there's definitely room in the horror genre to explore. Uh, you know, heterosexual marriage. Like, I think that even though there are a lot of movies, you know, that kind of feature the, you know, stereotypical, you know, heterosexual family, like, that's, that's fine. There's more to explore, especially when we're looking at, like, some of the anxieties that, like, young people have that haven't really been addressed too much. Like, you know, this fear of, you know, regret. Did I, did I do the right thing? Like, did I marry the right Mm. person? Um, Mm -hmm. We don't really, you know, know someone intimately until we spend a lot of time with them. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, at the beginning of a marriage, it, it does feel like, you know, how well do I actually know this person? And there's also a sense of like, imposter syndrome i think Mm -hmm. um like young people adulting and kind of going through the motions but not necessarily like feeling like that they're doing it right you know i feel like Mm -hmm. that is felt in the movie but i don't think there's really anything interesting that it's it's saying about it Mm mm-hmm yeah, yeah, like it, it yeah, it, it opens the door but it doesn't it doesn't walk through it. And I think that's a huge part of what CD Doyle is talking about in this chapter. I, I, about that idea of the the imposter syndrome but also just sort of what women in particular are all the expectations and traditions that that they're thrown into when it comes to marriage really most of it being like subconscious. Like, it, what does she say? She references just the, the Victorian models and Victorian brides and how that's still a, a pervasive model on what sort of an expectation for a marriage can be. Um, yeah. Even in, she points out yeah. it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Like, even in supposedly, like, our more contemporary equal times, women are mm. still expected to do, like, twice the amount of housework and four times the amount of like child rearing and that Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff so it's like you know 
people fall into these traditional roles. Um, but I don't, I don't think the movie's really going there. It's not saying it's, you know, I'd say hello, Mary Lou prom night Two kind of goes a little deeper. Mm. With that idea I was, I was thinking like the same thing, <laughs> the older generation inflicting itself <laughs> on the younger generation. This movie really doesn't mm. have much to say on that front. No. So, I mean, monster quality, I, I can't give it a point. Uh, just because I feel like that's where it stops. There, I don't know that there are any other monsters being explored because there's not even like avenues that are taken with Paul, for example. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, normal dude. yeah, tr- trying to. I don't know. I it, he doesn't even go cis white male. I mean, that's his entire personality. Yeah. Like, what does he like yeah. to do? Does he have a hobby? I don't know. Apparently, his hobby is making French toast. I don't. Isn't that what they make? Knows how to make French toast. Um, (laughs) Which is like, what's more like white cis male than that? Buttered toast. (laughs) Yeah. So I don't know. It like if the. if the like transformation stuff, if it had this something about, you know, maybe a person's like genetics, but it doesn't really seem to be about that. It doesn't seem to be about bees past at all, other than the fact that they just happen to be here. Uh, mm-hmm. Like it's not something that she's even returning to, like in, um, uh, like Ginger Snaps kind of digs into that whole or mm-hmm. no there's another one that we just watched that's like raw raw like that's such a good example of how something is like passed down and so mm-hmm. I thought, like, maybe this is something that like is passed down but it's not because it happens to other women and there's no indication that like as a child she you know acted like an alien um mm-hmm. and, so, and yeah that's a this could have just been a random cabin in some way mm-hmm. that had no attachment to her and very little would be changed. Yeah, and he didn't have to be an ex. He could have just been uh, a neighbor. Like, it, that relationship doesn't matter at all. Guy. Yeah, it's yeah. like there's, there's nothing there. And so, yeah, it makes me even want to give the movie a, a negative score here but <laughs> i'll settle for zero yeah. yeah uh same same this is this is where it falls flat and even into even in the scare factor the film has clear intent to scare and must be successful in that objective from beginning to end like i said there's there's the body horror gross out part but that's probably what 30 seconds of the movie um so there, there's really no scare factor in here at all for me i mean i i thought it was gonna even go like sort of the <clears throat> the the like fertility conception route and maybe paul was gonna get even more angry about like not being able to like enter in, in inability to satisfy him or conceive or whatever and it doesn't even go that route so um I, I, there was nothing scary about this movie 
I, the only thing that really stuck with me is where she is like hiding him in the water. That idea is kind mm-hmm. of creepy. Where, sure. You know, your wife is like an alien and she thinks she's helping you by putting you in the water and you can't explain to her that that's going to drown you. Um, mm-hmm. Like that's, it's a creepy way to go. But that's, you know, that's a minute of a movie. Yeah. So I agree. It's, there's not really much there that, that scared me. Mm-mm. Yeah. So I, I wouldn't put it in the diaper, but it's, it, I'm sorry that you had to rewatch it because it's, it's not something I'd want to rewatch. I don't think. Um, yeah. I mean, I was okay with the idea of rewatching it um, because I was like, Oh, that's, that's okay. I think. And then, yeah, on the rewatch, it's just, there's, there's a big old nothing sandwich. So mm. um, let's move on then to, okay. Um, something with a little yeah, more meat greener pastures. Yes. Yeah, we're talking about the lodge, uh, released in 2019, um, written and directed by uh, Severin uh, Fiala and Veronica Franz, with an additional writing credit by Sergio Caschi, um, starring Riley Keough as Grace. Uh, Jade Martell as Aiden, Leah McHugh as Mia, Richard Armitage as Richard, and Alicia Silverstone as Laura. Um, so let's get started with production. Yeah, so, oh my gosh. Um, what can I say? Uh, from the beginning, the movie is visually stunning. Um, I got goosebumps. Uh, when when they get to when they get to the cabin is sort of like uh cover covered in snow and and all that good stuff like i just immediately was thinking of the shining Mm -hmm. um and uh, just all of those i don't know all those fears surrounding like isolation uh got to me Mm -hmm. and i just thought i thought that the movie was really clever uh, with its cinematography, um, even down to like the reveal, like using the flashlight to show and uncover the things in the video that the kids are watching. But then later on, uh, in her sort of like, I don't know what do you want to call those like episodes or like dreamscape mm-hmm. parts of the movie, I thought were so cool. Yeah. Um, Except when it actually happens, like. With, oh, yeah. it feels like the last time when he like yeah. was under the blanket like that uh-huh uh-huh really happened it's yeah it's just but but that's the thing like you see kind of the same image over and over again and sometimes it's a memory sometimes mm-hmm. it's a hallucination and sometimes it's really happening and it mm-hmm. all kind of blurs together after a while yeah, and so it's, 
it does such a good job of presenting the subjective point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say even earlier on, um, there are touches that I really liked. Um, yeah, like five minutes in, I was just so excited watching this movie. I'm like, okay, this is this is going to be a classic. Um, I could tell already mean- because. Um, you know, these are from the directors of Goodnight Mommy, a movie that we both loved. And mm-hmm. um, we got some of those touches, like um, there are moments where there's kind of a foggy glass and the adults mm-hmm. were on one side. They were like shadows mm-hmm. or silhouettes and the kids were on the other side. Um, mm-hmm. And then you have the idea of this like imposter mother figure. Um, mm-hmm. And this time it's like some we're we're getting more of the mother's perspective and so it's it's much more sympathetic towards the the stepmom grace or soon to be stepmom grace um and it's the kids that are like you know creepy and conspiratorial whereas in goodnight mommy it's kind of from the other perspective of of more focusing from the kids um mm-hmm. so it's just it's such a cool companion to Goodnight Mommy um, mm-hmm. while being so much its own thing. Um, mm-hmm. Adding all these new elements um, in addition to things that we already know the directors are good at um, into something that we just we haven't really seen before. I mean, mm-hmm. you can compare it to sort of like Hereditary meets... The Innocence meets Rebecca. Um, like there are elements that are perhaps a little familiar, but like it's not quite done the same way in this movie. And it kind of keeps you guessing um, mm-hmm. until until the end, or at least I, I was surprised. Like I, I, you know, was trying to figure out what was really happening. And then even once you find out what's happening, there's still like story left to tell that's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. It, it's like what it, I guess that some of the things w- with the twists is that you may watch it and think, oh, I know what's going to happen next. It like definitely sets it up. You're like, oh, OK, she's going to you know, she, because she's related to that, um, or was like involved in that, uh, what do we want to say? Like the religious cult. Yeah. Yeah, You think, okay, I can see where this is going, but then it doesn't. And it has like kind of those, uh, I I would even say like kind of those Gothic elements and nods in there. Like we see in the innocence with the kids and the Mm -hmm. idea, like in the others, like we're all dead that, Mm -hmm. um, are really uh are really nice touches but it doesn't like rely on those they're kind of like just plot points to move on to the next the next twist um Mm -hmm. which i think works really well i love the scenes where they're watching the thing and she and grace is getting uh you know uncomfortable watching it it's sort of she's unraveling and the kids seem to know that that's happening to her and then just keep (laughs) keep pushing (laughs) Um, so I, yeah. Yeah. The thing is, is a great, it's a great reference because Mm -hmm. just 
with the setting, you know, you have this this total sense of isolation, and yeah, you, you're not really sure who you can trust. Um, it's it's great. Um, and and whereas the pacing of the you know of honeymoon that we were just talking about seems uh, seems to drag, the pacing of this movie the uh, when it speeds up or when it slows down is really effective. Um, whether it's like those quick cuts in between those sort of like dreamlike sequences to reality mm-hmm. or even to the action um, are really effective. I mean, this movie, well, I guess it's more for scare factor, but you know, I, I jumped a couple of times in this movie. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. um, I just really, uh, I don't know if there's, there's a lot like I would, I would, I would rewatch it on production value, production value alone. Like the yeah. story's compelling, um, the twists, the the acting is great, uh, including the kids. It's a it's a great example where they're not too like precocious, um, realistic. Uh, like what's the little girl's name? Is it Mia? Yeah. That the little girl. Uh, I I I love that even though she's in on it there are moments where she has real reactions for uh mm-hmm. for a kid her age where she just like she doesn't reveal the secret but she's like scared and crying like not yeah. enough to necessarily say anything but she has a reaction yeah i thought she was the standout between the kids mm-hmm. um jane martell is good um one thing that i, I kind of like with kid roles is that when when you cast unknowns, you just you can associate them with this one role, and so like the mm-hmm. fact that it's the kid from it, you know, mm-hmm. I, I think he did a fine job, but it's um, that's all you could think of. Yeah, he, he's it, it kind of calls back to to another movie that I just I wish I didn't have that reference, mm-hmm. um, like I do with the girl because. Yeah, the girl's an unknown, and, and she's awesome. She she's great. Um, I love that um, the casting um, of Riley Keough or Cough, uh, um, however you say it, and Alicia Silverstone. Uh, they look pretty similar in the movie. Yeah, intentional, and I love it because it's just like another twist in the gut like like he left her for like a younger version of her and Mm -hmm. it's it's so good um and then of course like the fact that you have alicia silverstone in the first few minutes of the movie and um and then you get the shocking suicide um that's that's when the movie really kind of took off. Um, now I do want to see the beginning again because it, it has a very like circular ending in that I know one of the first shots is of the You're gun. You're saying because... What? Oh, the, the connection cut out there. You said you, you want to see the beginning again because... Oh, because it's it's like this circular story where, you know, it ends with this, you know, 
one of the final shots is of the gun on the table. And it harkens back to the very beginning of the movie where the gun is on the table. Like, what else happened in the very few? Like, I want to see. I think it's a, the kind of movie that rewards a rewatch as opposed to Honeymoon. Yeah. And yeah, one of the one of the first things that I wrote down uh, after it was finished was the instant classic. Um, yeah. It's is very apparent in in the pacing, the storytelling, the acting, the cinematography. Like it's it's all there in terms of in terms of production. Um, so monster yeah. quality, monsters, uh, isolation, obviously is a big mm-hmm. one. Uh, trauma. Um, and you're saying it it connects to you saw a connection to Sadie Doyle. Yeah, so um, it's the part that we mentioned earlier. Um, there's more than one way to kill your wife. Um, the daily grinding violence of subservience and loss of self, which, like those more visible attacks, is a built-in part of the system. So, like, forcing um, Grace to kind of take on this mother role when she's really not equipped mm-hmm. to to be a mother at this point. I mean, it's just new to her. Um, Mm -hmm. And and then just leaving kids alone, leaving her alone with the kids is, you know, pretty irresponsible, even though they're older kids. Um, Well, no, it goes along with that. Like we were saying, it's, it's that built in assumption. Okay. Because she's a woman, she has the capability of watching the children. Yeah. It's just like a natural instinct when really she doesn't. And mm-hmm. she has trauma of her own. And kids are the worst. Um, <laughs> it's true. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is kind of like your worst fears about kids, like that they are totally sadistic and um, brilliant in their little mind games. Yeah, um, mind games. And, Master I mean, manipulators, I'm, those children. Master manipulators. Yeah. And I mean, I, I kind of find myself in a similar role right now, personally, with, you know, um, two little kids who, you know, I'm kind of uh, a stepfatherish figure. And, you know, there is the like constant comparison to the original parent and so that is i mean it's spot on with rebecca which we'll come back to next week um but you know this idea that you you know a woman is is always going to be compared to another woman um and she she will always be found as less than the ideal and Mm -hmm. so the kids you know, it didn't matter if Grace, you know, how nice Grace was, how caring she was. The kids were never going to accept her, or at least not initially. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, they they pushed her to the brink and they pushed her too far. Um, and so she's a victim as much as she is a monster. I mean, she's really a monster because she is a victim. Mm-hmm. And that, yeah, that's where I saw a connection to, to Sadie Doyle. She's talking about, I mean, um, there's a section she calls uh, Lady, Lazar- uh, Lady Lazarus and the idea of sort of that transformation from 
the victim to the monster. She compares it to um, Lucy Westenra from Dracula. Um, you know, there's a kind of justice in seeing these good victimized girls come back to us in fiction as inconvenient, frightening, monstrous women. Um, and I feel like that's what's happening here with this character, but not necessarily in a... I, I, I found a similarity in a a way to, to compare them, but I don't think that's necessarily like a negative for this movie. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think it's an on, I guess an unjust transformation. Um, it's really just because she's <laughs> beaten down by these children. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it more like the chill, the children are monstrous. Yeah. And, and it feels authentic in part mm-hmm. because the childhood trauma is so extreme. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at the beginning, it, it didn't bother me, but, you know, uh, as, you know, the children are watching the video of that, that she took as a child of the kind of heaven's gate type uh-huh. uh, ritual suicide. Um, I was like, man, this is extreme. Like, you know, this... <laughs> Not many of us can relate to this, uh, you know, character, um, at least that element of it. But it it allows us to, like, understand why the specific triggers that the kids perform, like, break her. By mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so it ends just on a, on a very creepy, unsettling note um where you know it, it seems to imply that she's going to to kill them as well mm-hmm. but, and i love how we don't see that um i like ending on that note but not seeing it yeah i i like that too I, um when let's see i think it was when when the dad was pulling up you know, it's like that really tense scene where she she has the gun to the kids and then the dad's pulling up outside. So it has like a zoom out as he mm-hmm. arrives. And when he arrives, you're just kind of waiting for the sound of the shot <laughs> as mm-hmm. he enters. And then it doesn't happen. And yeah. same thing after is that very easily it could have ended with just like the sound of a gunshot or mm-hmm. two gunshots or whatever. Um, and it doesn't, which is which was really nice. I, I, I like the way it ended. Like you said, coming full circle, gun on the table, like the end. Yeah. And it, um, I mean, there was a moment when I thought like, is she acting like I did too? Yeah. Yeah. And so it even adds that level of ambiguity. Like, you know, is she going to go right to the, you know, where the kids think they're going to be murdered and then she's going to be like oh and that's why you never fake a murder something like mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. Like, uh, um, <laughs> like the one-armed guy from arrested, uh, from arrested development yeah. yeah um but then that's that was one of the parts i jumped so when she shoots the dad that's yeah. i jumped yeah yeah and it's like it also has I mean, have you seen the movie Frailty? Ooh, a, a while ago. Yeah. Okay. Well, I won't say anything, but it just, um, you know, 
when she pulls the trigger on herself, nothing happens. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So is that divine intervention or uh-huh. is it just random luck? And okay. so it's just yet another layer added to the movie that I just love. Yeah. Because she's, because she's the yeah, she's the only one who repented. Yeah. In front of the fire. Like, she or truly repented. Yeah, and so this is just this is the kind of depth that honeymoon really, really lacked. Um mm-hmm. because it tells a very simple story of you know, a woman who wants to be a stepmother and is stuck with these two kids um, who don't respect her, but it just it just goes so much deeper. And it, it's very human, um, whereas, yeah, honeymoon, honeymoon just, it leaves us with too many questions, but not in a good way. Yeah. So, uh, given it a point for monster quality, um, what about scare factor? I was thoroughly creeped out um, throughout the whole thing from, I mean, the images of the dead bodies being covered, I think was very effective. The feeling of extreme isolation. There are moments that I wouldn't say are quite jump scares, but they're shocking. Like when mm-hmm. the mom shoots herself, it's shocking. Yeah. Or yes. when she falls through the ice, it's shocking. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there are moments that um, really shocked me viscerally. But then also because I was so invested in the story, I was like horrified once she became, like once she crossed the line, kind of lost her sanity. Um mm-hmm. I yeah I was I was horrified by that so yeah I want to give it a point I think from beginning to end it it is a really effective movie yeah same um, like I said there I, I like how you say that there there are shocking moments that made me jump but I wouldn't necessarily call them jump scares and I think there's enough Probably. scare factor there's a, enough tension and and suspense there like we talked about before like that through line there's tension in this movie all the way to the end yeah um whether it's in the relationships or relationships uh, like among the characters or relationships to the setting like there there's a lot a lot happening that, that keeps you on the edge of your seat and i think it's i think it's effective yeah and so I guess it's not surprising to either of us because <laughs> we both realized pretty early on that this is a classic. But yeah, this is one for the canon. Um, yeah. I can't wait to recommend this to other people. Yeah, same. And it's a great one, too, for, I, I would say, for the uninitiated. Um, I think mm-hmm. you could could handle this. I think Yeah, I think uh, it's, it's a great movie for, for quarantine. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's, you know, definitely part of what is, you know, considered elevated horror, like your hereditaries and us's and that kind of thing, but, you know, the lighthouse. Um, it's along those same lines, and it even has the kind of dollhouse that hereditary does, but 
it's done differently. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I would, I would put it right up there as, you know, among the best of the last decade. Um, Mm-hmm. I I really loved it, and it was a great follow up to Goodnight Mommy. And see, we didn't we didn't even really talk about the dollhouse. How there's those scenes with the figures set up, and you don't quite know what that means in the beginning. You don't know if it's something supernatural. You don't know if it's something. I mean, as it turns out, right, it's something planned by the kids. But um, that whole through line with the dolls uh, was great. Yeah, exactly. You, you realize that, like, that's. Yeah, we're seeing like the kids plan um, mm-hmm. where it's not like in Hereditary, it's kind of like a reflection of mm-hmm. you know the events in the movie. This is like the uh, planning of the movie. It's it's like showing us the the guilt of of the kids. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's a good twist on that. So yeah, this is. Um, yeah, this is a classic that I, I'd recommend to anyone. Um, it's it's a great movie. Yeah. All right. So moving ahead, what are we going to watch next? We're going to continue with uh, with this chapter. Yeah, we're going to stick with marriage for a little bit longer. Um, and so we're going to be watching the movie Rebecca. So as promised, we will discuss Rebecca. Um but also the movie Spring, um, which is so we're we're going to be kind of focusing on like uh, romantic horror, like horror in romantic relationships. Yeah. Um, so Spring, I think, is it's going to be a good follow up to Honeymoon, and it's also going to be relevant to the chapter. Or at least we'll see. It's been a while. Mm. Since it, but I think yeah. I think it should be interesting. So great. Well, uh, you can check out more of our episodes um, on our website, uh, theterrortest.com, or follow us on Twitter, the underscore terror underscore test. Uh, thanks to Stephen McClurg for uh, the music now on our intro, and then also check out our website for an interview that Stephen McClurg posted. Uh, he interviews a witch talking about the craft. Great. Uh, so pencils down, the terror test is over.